Before we get into today's episode of Forward Thinking Founders, I want to tell you a little bit about Crash, our sponsor. So what happens when you want to get a job? You know, you either just quit a job, you just got laid off, you're graduating college, what do you do? Well, usually you fill out a resume, you spruce up your LinkedIn profile, and you start submitting resumes to companies by the dozen, just hoping to get a response, hoping a recruiter reaches out to you. Well, let me tell you, that process of finding a job is history. And what's the new process? It's called Crash. Crash is a new way to land a job. What you do is you go to crash.co, you make a profile, right? You input your skills, make a video pitching yourself, you know, make yourself look good on Crash Profile. And then when you're ready to find a job, you launch. Just like a product on Product Hunt launches to the world, people who are looking for jobs launch on Crash. They're called Crashers. And once they're launched, people can upvote them. And it's a really fun thing. But what this does is it turns the job hunt into an event. And let me tell you, it is so effective. There are tons of people that are launching on Crash that are finding jobs much faster than they would have otherwise at better companies. You can tailor pitches to companies and it's just one of the the coolest platforms I've ever seen. On the flip side, if you're a company and you're a startup and you're hiring um, for a position, what's the most important thing to look for um, in in a position, right, is aptitude. You want someone who's gonna get in there learn and have a learning rate that's that's off the charts so you're looking for high aptitude and everyone launching on crash is so impressive you just go to crash.co browse who's launching it and i'm positive you're gonna find a writer or a designer or a programmer who impresses you so i promise you if you're trying to get a job or if you're trying to hire entry-level talent and beyond the best place on the internet to do that is crash.co thank you again crash for being a sponsor of forward-thinking founders now let's get into the show All right, how is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am your host, Matt Sherman, and today I'm stoked to bring to you an awesome guest, Yoshi Yokukawa, who is the CEO and one of the founders of Alpaca. Yoshi, how's it going? Great. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm stoked to have you on. How is your, your your day going? It's the middle of the week, so on a scale from you know one to ten, how would you say your week is going for you? It's uh, it's around seven or eight. Uh, you know, it's getting warm. Uh, like it's getting cooler from being very warm. So you know, we need to push the business a little bit shorter week. So you know, more things to do. Yeah, absolutely. I am also looking forward to the winter where I've been getting about like probably two two months in a row now of a hundred degree plus weather. So I'm ready yeah. to <laughs> uh, get out of that living in Phoenix. <laughs> well, well, cool, man. Well, you are, you know, you're founding this company, Alpaca. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously familiar with it, but for those listening who aren't, can you give the, the audience a little bit of an idea of what you're working on? Yes. So we are a registered FINRA a securities broker dealer. Uh, what we are building is an API product uh, to uh, enable the free stock trading for the developers. 
as well as the uh, algo traders uh, to buy and sell U.S. stocks uh, via API for commission-free. Well, it sounds like it is something that I want to dive a little deeper into. As someone who is interested in financial markets, but someone that is not technical, I'm intrigued to dive a little deeper. So ultimately, is this, does this allow... Um, it allows developers to build, um, I guess if you were to explain it to someone who, you know, knew nothing about software, which I know a little bit, but let's pretend like I don't, how would you explain it to just someone on the streets um, to get them to understand or someone that you wanted to invest in your company? Sure. Uh, our platform lets um, basically people to make another Robin Hood anywhere in the world. That is How about that? very, very powerful. <laughs> that, that is extremely powerful. Yeah, that is that, that is awesome. What so I mean, it's kind of like building this financial infrastructure that that's that anyone else seems like they can build on top of. I'm curious, what was the motivation behind starting Alpaca? And it sounds like kind of democratizing the the um, kind of democratizing the, the industry in some capacity. Yeah, we initially, uh, you know, came up with the idea that uh, we want to provide better, more advanced, uh, but modern uh, broker-dealer services, or like you know, stock brokerage services to the individuals. Uh, you know, obviously, we saw the rise of Robinhood capturing a lot of uh, young uh, millennials through very simple mobile apps, but we saw uh, the opportunity of more of the advanced uh, investors uh, not having access to the modern platform like Robinhood. So we initially wanted to tackle that market, but then we understood in a way that um, stockbroker or any financial services is like a supermarket. It's not much of the differentiation of what you're selling. It's really about uh, how you make your product to be targeted to the certain group of the uh, people. So when we thought about that, like, if that is the case, uh, there will be more variety of the people of the appetites, uh, what they want to do in terms of the investing and trading. So why not we go a little bit like, you know, lower layer than uh, creating actual supermarket that's facing the individual users. But why don't we create the infrastructure so that uh, different types of the uh, services can be built to the many more of the user bases, uh, not only the advanced investors that we were initially thinking about. So that is really the uh, origination of the idea that we wanted to build the infrastructure layer. Okay, so we should build the best uh, developer experience API products that really don't exist as of right now in the uh, asset management space in general. Yeah, it's it definitely is from my from my knowledge on the industry. You know, I feel like they're becoming technologies that allow the ability for people to trade stocks without the exorbitant fees. You know, is 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 a good thing. I'm kind of interested in the type of of stocks or securities that you that you allow trading like so it's obviously you know stocks do you do you plan on getting into cryptocurrency at all is there another type of security another type of kind of asset that you're thinking about allowing people to trade on alpaca of course uh, what we are aiming to do is really the middle layer uh middle uh 
a middleware for any asset management activities. So our mission is to really modularizing any asset management activities. Of course, we're starting from the U.S. stocks because that is the brand of the uh, any asset management activities in the world coming from like, you know, Japan or uh, Indonesia or any countries like, you know, they want to get exported to U.S. stocks. So that has been always our initial uh, asset class that we wanted to nail down first. But yes, uh, we are planning to add uh, many more different types of the securities, especially the ones that are more niche and alternatives, uh, you know, that includes, uh, you know, crypto, uh, include, you know, may include STOs, uh, those like, you know, crowdfunding securities. There are a bunch of the new securities that's coming up, but uh, it has been very difficult uh, for those, each of the niche asset classes to attract, uh, you know, many users because it's simply niche. But uh, it actually shines along with the anchor asset of the US stock. So that's what we're trying to do, basically consolidating all those uh, asset classes into one API so that any services and, uh, you know, apps can build on top of that. It sounds like you're, <laughs> I, I can see the, the makings of a, just a giant, uh, you know, if, if we go back into the 1950s around then, you know, there's the gold rush, but then there's the people selling the shovels, you know, to enable the gold rush to happen. It kind of seems like you're selling shovels here and that's the people that make the most money. So I think it's a genius idea playing kind of the middle layer in some capacity. I'm interested at, what what about like fintech and and just finance in general has been a I would say a hot topic in the last maybe five years in Silicon Valley and just kind of around the around the states. What are some other technologies that are being built or other companies that are being built that aren't competitors, just like in other spheres, um, but still in fintech that interest you that you think are necessary to push the fintech kind of deregulation and democratization outward? I think the trend of the fintech that I'm extremely interested in is the, uh, like, you know, the center of the financial services is moving from east to west the whole trend is actually very interesting to me. Uh, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, it used to be, and like it's still mainly um, dominated by the Wall Street, including, you know, Goldman Sachs and uh, JP Morgan and all those guys. And right. they do have a brand uh, of being able to have access to specific assets that not very many people have access to. And the most, uh, uh, you know, famous one or like in you know, the popular one is basically IPO allocation stocks. And that is why like a lot of institutional investors, uh, pension funds and all those guys, uh, you know, work with those highly brand investment banks because they do have access to allocation to those IPO stocks. But the whole trend happening from East to West is that, okay, is there actually IPO necessary? Is that like, you know, uh, alpha? But left after IPO, and that's why the whole you know pushing back of the IPO and the private private market activity even before the IPO uh, uh, pre-IPO stocks is actually active on the services like Carta or even like you know uh, Equidate uh, AJ Forge uh, to be connecting uh, you know different people the uh, owners of the uh, pre-IPO stocks. So it's actually uh, becoming the brand. Uh, uh, you know, reasoning of those Goldman and all those guys are actually diminishing and the power of the differentiation 
of access to those specific asset classes is becoming west because now venture capital firms have the access to the you know seed uh, seed investing and like you know coming from Sequoia or Andreessen like that have even more differentiated asset classes because they source those deals even before investment banks do. So now they have like you know much more leverage uh, talking with the uh, more amount of money. Uh, which, you know, big, big investors have. And, you know, all those commodity asset classes, such as including U.S. stocks or bonds or, uh, you know, any treasuries or stuff like that, that can be, you know, marketed and sold by anyone. It has no differentiation. So I feel like this whole differentiation factor is shifting from East to West. And the whole dynamism, including privatization uh, or like, you know, pushing back the timing of the IPO, and also the more liquidity in the private sector of the uh, shares before IPO, the whole phenomena and the companies who's supporting that push, like, is very very interesting to me. You know, you mentioning pushing back the IPO kind of triggers in my head this thing happening with the long term. I think they're calling it like the long LTSE. Stock, the LTSE. I'm curious, where, is that a I don't. I don't know this 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 industry well enough to understand the kind of the categories. Is that a competitor to you? Is that something that you're, you're going to integrate with? Like, what are your thoughts on the LTSE and how they play in the whole realm of moving financial services and infrastructure from east to west? I think like LTSE is the uh, like you know one of the piece to moving the whole financial service from east to west. Uh, it's not really, in my opinion, like liberating or like you know opening up the market to specific people. I feel like it's just really creating uh, like, you know, competitive ecosystem by West against East by capturing the opportunities even before than um, Bowman or Morgan Stanley is capturing like right before IPO. So LTSE is basically the like symbol, symbolic child of the West Coast uh, dominating that opportunity is very early on and just, you yep. know, finishing that up even in, in, within that uh, uh, West Coast without dealing anything with the players in the East Coast. That's so interesting. I've never heard the East Coast, West Coast comparison. <laughs> it, make, it makes total sense, um, to when, you know, once you say it. So that, that's interesting. So kind of going above the sphere of fintech and financial services, what are some industries or some trends or some events that are happening that you're paying attention to that interest you, whether it be companies or trends or technologies, what's, what's happening in the world that you're, you're intrigued to learn more about? Uh, other than you mean like in the FinTech in general? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just in general, any, like yeah, it can be totally unrelated or it can be right. also within FinTech that we haven't discussed, but I'm just kind of right. curious, like think, to hear about what you think about, you know, when you think about the world and ideas and markets and stuff. Yeah, I, I think like, you know, fintech is a very broad word, but um, I think it's tightly connected with really money and relationship of the human being to money. So, you know, when we think about any consumer services uh, is very interesting because even Snapchat or uh, even WhatsApp, uh, you know, they, they need the people's attention and the ecosystem. And in order to create stronger ecosystem, putting money aspect is the uh, kind of easy solution to uh, lower the churn and enhance the activity because money is important to each individual. And if you have your money stuck there, you will most likely come back. 
So actually, every single services that deal with the activity and the churn rate uh, lowering that uh, is becoming all fintech. So to me, like, what is the next services that are now called fintech is becoming fintech is very interesting to me. And that's whole phenomena of the super app that started from WeChat in China, uh, coming from the messaging app and start providing the peer-to-pay, uh, uh, you know, peer-to-peer -peer payment system. And that became to the uh, lending platform and that became to the banking, to the asset management platform. So that whole, whole like, you know, the path that they took is actually applicable to any single service or the services or platform that like, you know, deals closely with the individual's life. And right now, like he started from like the messaging app. So like, if you look at China, that's WeChat. If you look at the Japan, it's a line app. Uh, if you look at the Korea, there's a cacao, cacao app. And, um, you know, basically messaging app now understands the clear path from non-fintech to becoming the fintech by adding the money features. Now I think this trend is going to come to more of the marketplace apps, including like, you know, Grubhub or TaskRabbit or uh, like, you know, Uber, Lyft. Uh, those people and even Airbnb providing money features, fintech features into their uh, existing offerings. So what's so interesting is that these non-fintech companies or like, you know, the, anything that people really don't think about, oh, this is going to be the fintech or banking products. They are going to be the banking products and the fintech products, in my opinion. So that's how I really, really interesting looking at the other services that are not yet fintech but we'll be in fintech soon and which category is the next one that's going to come in. That's so interesting. It's almost a take on, you know, you know, Mark Andreessen says software is eating the world. And it almost sounds like you're saying in some ways like fintech is eating the world as it, as it gets involved in more and more industries and as these big tech companies, you know, start integrating technologies and stuff. So, that's uh, that's cool. You're definitely helping me learn more about this uh, on a more, um, I don't know, like practical practical angle. So I appreciate it. So I'm I'm curious. So for Alpaca, um, what what do you like? You're building infrastructure that you know a kingdom could be built on top of. Like I'm kind of curious. A decade from now, you know, or, or decade, two decades from now, what is alpaca look like what is it powering you know what's what's your vision yeah sure uh our vision is really to enable um every single person on this earth to have access to the asset classes that uh everyone should have access to for example because like i'm you know originally from japan and if you're uh in japan you obviously don't have access to U.S. stock uh, investing uh, very easily, right? Like you have to pay pretty big fees uh, just to purchase like Apple stock, just simply because, um, you know, some requirement of the regulation, uh, you know, money movement stuff. And even Japan has that kind of trouble. And if you think about other countries and including developing countries that are uh, coming up, they obviously don't have much of access like that. So uh, our, our mission is, our, our vision is really try to equalize uh, those opportunities gap of uh, having access to uh, any financial products, including asset management or banking uh, by anywhere, uh, everywhere in the world. And for us, we think that uh, in order to accelerate that whole uh, uh, vision as much as, as quickly as possible, is to really be an enabler 
instead of focusing on, okay, this country of this targeted group of the people are our customers. If we do that, that's going to take like, you know, 200 years. But if we can be the extremely easy infrastructure, like, you know, Twilio did for the messaging, uh, you know, Stripe did for uh, payment, uh, for asset management and any financial services activity, then we think that we can accelerate this whole process much, much quicker by working with many different partners in many different places in the world in, you know, by different approaches. Let me tell you, that is a world that would, I would like to live in. That's a future I'd like to live in. So it's, you know, it's cool to see something that is so, you know, in some ways low level that, that other things can be built on um, where this future can, can become a reality. So I think that's fantastic. Uh, I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up the episode. You know, I guess, well, I guess three questions. One, how long have you been working at Alpaca? And since you started it, what are some of the things that you've learned you know, about your market or about your product that you maybe didn't expect to learn along the way? So when we started originally Alpaca, it was like 2015. And we were working on uh, pretty different things. Uh, we are working on uh, in the field of fintech, but we were building deep learning, deep neural nets, prediction models for uh, hedge funds and banks and uh, uh, trading firms. Uh, so uh, we then like, you know, pivoted into starting uh, uh, basically brokerage and, you know, enabling platform. Uh, during that course of that, like what we really understood was that um, in terms of the product and this industry is um, pricing is pretty binary. Um, like if it's cheaper, it's better. Uh, because, and also it's related to that is that uh if you buy cucumbers or something in any supermarket, uh, it's the same cucumber. If you go to Trader Joe's or, uh, you know, the uh, Whole Foods or uh, Safeway or Lucky, uh, it's the same cucumber, but it's priced differently uh, because they are uh, targeted in a different group of people. But at the end of the day, what we're selling is exactly the same thing. So targeting is extremely important. Hence, branding and marketing becomes very important. But the pricing is the like most crucial part to attract uh, the the people. So that's we firstly initially started it was that like you know, we didn't put too much weight on that portion, but uh, along the way we learned that uh, a lot and we decided to you know put more emphasis on that during the process. Got it. Yeah, it's it's not something that you think would have a huge impact when you first start, but pricing, you know, getting pricing right really matters. So that's, uh, I think the, the listeners will learn something from that. And now for, for my last question um, for, for the show, you know, you, you're building this, this product that, you know, you said it yourself, like you can kind of like someone's be able, is going to be able to take Robin hood in some ways we build it for anywhere in the world for any, for eventually any asset class. Like you're pretty much building the future and there's people listening to the show who maybe have an idea or they have a product with some free users and, and, or they have a product and they have a lot of users, but they just want to, they want to build the future. They want to build something impactful to the world. What advice would you give those listeners who just want to build something big and build something impactful? Where would they start? I think it always comes from 
like, you know, personal story or the background, I feel like. And otherwise, it's so hard to uh, uh, talk about it. And to me, uh, I came from very much financial service background, um, working at Lehman Brothers and, uh, you know, seeing the collapse of the financial services industry. Uh, at the same time, I'm originally from Japan. I see the uh, bunch of inequality of the access of asset classes. So there are some stories that I can really, really tell and because I truly ex experienced yep. it. So I think that's really important part. Um, and after that, I think like, you know, really do it quickly and test it quickly and change it quickly and pivot it quickly. Uh, so that, I think that is the, uh, advice I would give, uh, to the, um, you know, people who are like, you know, starting to do something new. I couldn't agree more. And every, <laughs> everyone, everyone heard it here first from Yoshi. Yoshi, thank you so much for hopping on to the podcast and um, kind of giving up like a half an hour or so and talking to me about, you know, FinTech and educating me a little bit. Like I learned a lot during this, so I appreciate it. That's great. Thank you very much for having me, Matt. I appreciate your time. Yeah, you got it. Have a, have a good one. Bye.